To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So this week, I have back on my friend Willie Schmidt. Willie's such a, a great guy, a, a great hunter, and such a passion for the outdoors. Uh, I really enjoy getting to sit down and have these in-depth conversations with him as he's so upfront and, and, and honest and genuine. And it just makes for a great podcast. Make sure to check out his hunting show, Pure Hunting. Uh, it does a great job as a guest, multiple seasons, uh, tons of great episodes, tons of Western hunting in it. Uh, I really enjoy his show. Uh, they do a superb job with it. So make sure to go check that out. And uh, with that, we just dive right into the podcast. We get talking. Uh, Willie just had a health scare, and I really appreciate him you know, being so open about it, talking about it on the podcast to bring awareness to, to men's health or, health or everybody's health for that matter. Um so we, we start off talking about that and then dive into hunting and dive into a season and, and hunting whitetails and some of the episodes on there. Just made for a great conversation and a great podcast. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. I just want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank Forever Barnwood. Forever Barnwood is veteran-owned, and he's a small business owner that started this business from scratch. And, and what he's doing is he's creating an old barnwood-style look, but with new lumber. He can do huge lots, so you never have to worry about the barnwood matching up. And it's really nice to work with new wood. Uh, a lot of times, the, these barn boards from these old barns are so twisted and warped and in such bad shape that they make it really difficult to work with. Uh, gives great value, a great price point to his products, being able to use this new lumber that looks old. And the barn wood is, is all the craze out west here and, and throughout the United States for highlight walls, for floors, and, and he has all these products. He's got a, a reclaimed floor that's amazing looking. And I'm using a lot of these products uh, for myself on my personal home and then also using, using them for homes for Barney Construction as well. Uh, but they have uh, uh, amazing circle sawn floors that are reclaimed looking. Uh, they have shiplap. They have siding. They have box beams. They have base and case trim. They have doors. Uh, they have everything to be able to make cabinets out of it. Like you name it in the house and they can do it out of barn board. Uh, they'll, they'll sell direct and ship direct. Uh, so you don't have to worry about finding a dealer. Just great products, great price point, and I'm really impressed with everything that this company is doing. So thanks to Forever Barnwood for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knives. Outdoor Edge makes replaceable blade knives, and they actually made a, make a replaceable blade folding knife. Uh, it, it's amazing using these replaceable blades as they always keep sharp. So the minute they get dull, I can just change them out. So I don't got to carry multiple knives or sharpeners, just one knife and multiple blades and I'm good to go. And it's amazing how well these hold up. Outdoor Edge builds a stiffer knife that, that where the blades don't break, uh, where you can really use them like a true knife, a true pocket knife, only they're razor sharp. Uh, just an amazing product. They also have a, a longer knife that's great for butchering that I like to use. And uh, just great products. So thanks to Outdoor Edge Knives. 
And with that, over at Eastman's, make sure to check out everything we have going on. We've got the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you can get both of those and an outdoor edge knife for $50 by putting in the promo code ELEVATED321. Uh, also, make sure to check out TagHub. It's our internet research tool. Uh, it compiles all this da data for all the western states, all the different species, so you can really do your research and figure out where the best hunting is in these states. Uh, you can you can join an elite membership. That'll get you the, the TagHub. It'll get you both magazines. It'll get you uh, access to our video library. Uh, multiple hunt giveaways. I think we're giving away three hunts this year uh, and also giveaways from our sponsors. And also there's a bunch of promo codes in there to save you a few bucks from our sponsors. So a bunch of benefits. Uh, you can punch in the promo code Brian and save yourself some off that uh, during checkout over at Eastman's.com. So uh, make sure to check that out. Check out our videos on Beyond the Grid, our internet TV show, and also Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. And with that, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, time's flying by. It seems like uh, spring's getting here and bear season's getting closer and closer. A bunch of research here lately trying to figure out where I'm going to hunt and where I'm going to take these big adventures. So starting to narrow it down and uh, drawings haven't came out yet, but uh, picking up some tags here and there. So should be a full season. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, hopefully uh, Lady Luck's on my side as well and gives me a, uh, a couple good tags. So, yeah, we'll see what I end up with here. But just working my way through these units, through my game plan, and um, shaking it up this year, um, uh, especially in Montana. Uh, Going to hunt high country mule deer early. And uh, if I don't, then I've always got that, that rut hunt late. But uh, it's been a few years since I've attacked the high country of Montana. So really looking forward to that. Um, hunting, hunting bulls. Um, got a... Um, a different spot I'm going to go this season and really focus in. So looking forward to that. So yeah, just making plans for the season, getting in my training, getting in my shooting, getting this bow all dialed in. Uh, I've got some new arrows that are showing up this week that I'm excited to, um, uh, to get shooting and get ripping here and it'll kind of be my final setup for the season. So, uh, I'll do a podcast here where I go through my gear, uh, in fact, I just uh, recorded a great archery podcast with uh, Earl Stroll from Cutter. Guy is so knowledgeable about archery and um, uh, about bow setups and a really great in-depth conversation. So I'll get that released to you as well. Sit down and record some solos. I got some really good ideas for solos uh, that are going to be... Um, you know, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna have a, uh, end goal or a purpose to them, uh, be laid out, be good information to get you guys at, at the pertinent times as we're coming into Western hunting. So, uh, with that, let's get into this podcast. So Willie Schmidt from Pure Hunting, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Well, yeah, I'd say we get started off. I'm here okay. with my friend Willie. We're at the expo, and um, good to catch up to you. It's been too long. I mean, that COVID year <laughs> really screwed everybody's plans up. It did. Yeah, it's nice to see you face-to-face -face and um, be able to talk things over. And, um, man, you just had a, a, a health scare. I went, like, I'm just happy to see you, man. Like, um, uh, you're you're such a, a model for health and fitness and constantly working out and um Man, it just came as such a surprise, but um, yeah, so glad everything's okay. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's good to be seen and <laughs> to yeah. be here because, you know, you hear stories, and uh, I'm really fortunate and blessed it was as 
minor as it was, and I'm uh, back at it pretty much to 100%. Still have a little brain fog and fatigue, but uh, even that's much better now than it was a week ago. <laughs> so if that's my lingering effects, um, I feel like I'm doing all right and use my platform for whatever it is to, to let people know. I mean, I do all of this as we talked yesterday for heart health and general health. I mean, obviously for our outdoor pursuits so we can, you know, be physically fit enough to go really participate at the highest level that we feel like we can. And, but the overall health benefits for what we do is secondary, mm -hmm. should be primary, I guess. But just because you do all that doesn't mean something like a, a, a stroke can't happen to you. So, you know, if, if somebody knows their body well enough and they're not feeling right, go in and get checked. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if you find out that everything's okay, don't you feel better about yourself? But I just am glad that, uh, I went and did what I did and was in the hospital because if there was another clot that was going to get thrown, it could have been far worse if I decided to sleep it off or just go home and try to rest. So it can <sighs> happen to anybody, but listen to your body. and Listen to your body. Isn't yep. that the truth? And your doctor told you, like, you're an anomaly. Like, it's, um, it shouldn't have happened to you, you <laughs> yeah. know, which uh, I don't know what's, what's worse, if it should have happened or shouldn't have, you know. But, uh, yeah, you bring up so many good points, Willie. It's like, uh, uh, you know, all of us are guilty, or at least I'm guilty, of neglecting it, like uh, checkups or physicals. And as I start to get older, I have to be better at going into the doctor. And part of overall health isn't just working out. You know, part of overall health is going into the doctor, getting these checkups. Yep. And, and the other thing, it's so good that you didn't let your male ego take over when you were feeling it or something was off. Yep. Right? Because um, you had a clot that, that went and then you had a stroke. And um, so you went into the, to the doctor's immediately. And was fairly mild the conditions, or, or what? What was it like? Yeah, um, and I. So, it, I was. Po it was after a workout, and I mean, yep. we all sometimes if we exert, it was a pretty strenuous cardio workout. I think we all know our body's trying to recover after a strenuous workout. You're, you know, a little tired and run down, and maybe dehydrated, you know, after that. But something just didn't feel right, and it was in, all on my left side, which kind of made me a little bit nervous. You know, you hear the droopy face, not being able to talk, falling down. I didn't have that severe of symptoms, but um, my left leg and my left hand went a little numb and tingly. I had a little numbness in my left cheek just just for half a second, but it never drooped or, I, you know, um, that Bell's palsy where you lose, you know, have face paralysis. I just, I didn't feel right. And then when I, um, I had a water bottle in my left hand and I went to turn to talk to a guy uh, at the gym and it just slipped out of my hand, like I didn't have control. And when I went to try to tie my shoes to change shoes, we've been tying shoes since we're, what, three or four years old, and you learn, and it's just second nature. My left hand wasn't going where it should go, and I couldn't do the laces. I had to really look and focus on it. So I, a guy who has a PT clinic right next to the gym who I've gotten to know said, and he's ex-military, very calm. I think he probably knew something was awry more than just and he asked me are you feeling okay and, and he said you just had a look that was more than I'm tired from the workout almost like you're about to get sick just color wasn't right and so called my wife and we went in and yeah the symptoms were coming back I mean again I didn't fall down I just lost some of that dexterity and strength and that took about a week and a half to come back but the doctors all thought it was a migraine which apparently some severe migraines can have similar effects of numbness tingling and everything and first two tests came back negative and I think they were just getting ready to discharge me waiting for the MRI and he came in shut the door and had this look on his face 
I was like, mm. looked at my wife. We're like, that's not good. Mm. So <clears throat> 29 hours later, I was out of there after, you know, meeting with all the occupational, physical, speech therapists and everything. And they said, you have, you've had a stroke. It's, uh, I mean, that was confirmed, not denied, but relatively minor. And uh, don't think you need any outpatient stuff. You can do it on your own and wish you help, happy, healthy <laughs> recovery and, <laughs> and life. And, you yeah. know, so. And the doctor we, gave you the full clearance to be working yep. out hard and um, back to CrossFit and the whole deal, which is good news. It is. Yeah. And tr- I think as we talk, the worst thing you can do is start getting depressed and wondering why me? Because we do all this and you, you think this shouldn't happen to me. And like you said doctor said you're an anomaly we would have given you less than one percent chance of this ever happening goes to show it yeah it can but you can't dwell on that you can't not live your life worrying about another one um i think they said my odds have doubled because i've had one of having a second one which takes me to less than two percent chance of ever having to happen (laughs) but i'm not going to stop living my life and doing what i'm going to do and the doctor's like that's what makes you you we want you to hike the mountains and go hunting we want you to work out you don't need to scale back Mm -hmm live your life mm-hmm. and that's good advice yeah well and i think um you've always had such a great approach to life and to hunting and you build that mental toughness and so uh yeah i think you could get depressed in that scenario or want to pull back or not want to push as hard but um i love your attitude it, uh, just uh, uh clear to go back to normal and hunt hard and work out hard and live like life to the fullest but it's right it's such a great lesson really like uh, all of us need to be better i need to be better like i've thought you know after turning 40 like i need to get blood work done and at least have like this base line or this comparison yep. and have doc hillary look it over have a doctor that i trust look it over um like i think it's important for all of us like overall health is going to the doctor but i really like how you paid attention to the signs that happened like my daughter um she um she came upstairs and she's tough as nails and she's a senior this year and she Jeez. she came upstairs and said you know, dad i've got this stomach pain like um and you could just tell it was on another level middle mm-hmm. of the night and okay. i thought it was her appendix you know that was um or i thought it could have been but um yeah uh, straight down to the hospital and straight figure it out and she had had you know like something was twisted on the inside in there and we got her all fixed up you know it's always spooky when it's with your kids and you have something <laughs> but you have to listen to your body and she listened to her body that night laid down in that bed felt that pain and just felt like that's a different pain that's not just a stomach ache something's wrong yeah but if she would have went back to bed like who knows what could have happened you know so just like you did when you something was off to go in and just have it checked out just uh there's there's a reason reason why we have modern medicine nowadays you know and yep. i got to refer to people that are smarter than i am exactly exactly and you know the doctors were like well what was it that caused you to feel like you couldn't drive or you had to do that i said i I wish I had an answer for you other than to know it was different. It felt weird, and I was just off more than anything else. So took the the high road, I guess, listened to me. As you said, you know, put your ego to the to the side, and that uh, sometimes you need to go. It's not a sign of weakness, and thank God I was there when it, you know, and got it all found out. So, man, it's, it's as tough like you, you talked about it. It's as tough mentally on us as it is physical mm-hmm. like uh uh the you know you're you're so strong mentally that you've thought your way through this and you know your approach and you're going to live your life to the fullest but there's like a probably a, a few days or a week or two where you got to work your way through this thing like you got to really think <laughs> about things and, and and then too like um you know 
you just you're you're such a good friend to to guys here in the outdoor industry such a good family man for your family you know and so like you know your thoughts you start thinking about other people and how it affects them and um man it's just um i'm just glad you're all right man well i appreciate it me too and now we can hopefully talk about it. I think that's very important, but talk to the stuff we really love to talk about, which is hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how was your season? It was good. It was good. Um, I always, archery elk hunting is my biggest passion, as we've talked in the past. And yes. when, when that's a, we talked yesterday um, how your elk rut was where you were hunting and everything. Mine was tough in Montana. And I, I don't remember how many days I put in. I did get to go to New Mexico for about, travel uh, included and everything i think it was eight days it was a five-day hunt um so i missed some of the time in montana but mm -hmm. when that elk rut's not what you want it's a bit of a downer and that's what sort of sticks with me so if i can just put that aside and go okay the overall season was really pretty good had some good. great experiences spent some time in the field with some really good fun good friends and i had a great time yeah um, that's so much of it is good quality time with family and friends and laughs and um, just being able to spend the time out there. But uh, it's tough. We plan our vacations around the elk and we go off previous seasons and trying to time the rut or time the action or where the elk should be. Mm -hmm. And year to year, the conditions just dictate where those elk are. And uh, at least in some of my spots, you know, I go to honey holes that have produced for me that I found elk. And uh, it was a lot of walking with my bow, trying to find them to try to give myself a chance. Uh, uh, but but that's a that's a big part of elk hunting and hunting mm -hmm. in general, isn't it? it like it, it uh, uh, never ceases to throw challenges your way. No, no. And I, for me, I mean, and you too, hunting archery elk, so much of it's dictated on the vocalizations of the elk. Yes. And when they're quiet, man, hunting elk with a bow, <laughs> hunting silent elk with a bow is about as tough as it gets. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough enough uh, when they are calling. Yeah. Like when they're not, it, uh, it almost seems like at times it seems like mission impossible. I mean, there were a couple of days where it was just locator bugle, locator bugle, cow call, locator bugle, and you're like, you would expect something far off, especially in that last you know, hour of daylight when they might be, you know, the cows coming out to feed or whatever, or mm -hmm. first light. And I mean, it, it was just crickets all day. And mm -hmm. you, you know, they're around, you're seeing their tracks, you're finding the sign. When they don't want to talk, they're ghosts. Yes. Yeah. When they don't want to talk, they are ghosts. And they spend so much of their time in that thick cover, you know, during the middle of the day. Yeah. It's like in those shadows. And uh, yeah, they are tough to turn up. Uh, that you know, when they're vocal, it's a night and day difference hunting with a bow. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, locating these things and, and going around, like, uh, you know, what was your strategy? What was your mindset? Like we get into these tough circumstances or these tough hunts and, uh, we just have to push through and try to turn up some elk and hopefully it ends up well in the end. A lot of times it doesn't, but like, what's your attitude or what's your approach when you're tough hunting and are, are you covering a lot of country or, um, uh, what are you trying to do to, to keep your head right? Like in those um, circumstances? Uh, I guess it depends on where I'm hunting, but so sort of the Eastern Montana, breaky stuff i know you hunt out there as well you you can glass this the spot that i've been hunting has a little bit uh, more timber and a lot thicker cover um and with a bow sometimes glass them up from two miles away doesn't do you a whole lot of good because you know they're not going to be there when you get there because you're not watching them bed up and it's not just a patch of trees it's a forest for me it's trying to stay just positive because 
even though it sounds so cliche, it just takes one elk, takes the right elk in the right mood, and it can happen in a second. And it's just waiting for that to happen. When you've gone through two days and that second or that right elk at the right time doesn't happen, yeah, I mean, you're like, get up and try it again. But it's keeping that positive attitude and that enthusiasm because until I am slamming my truck door to drive home, the hunt's really not over. Mm -hmm. And uh, as tough as it was, the first seven or eight days I hunted, it almost happened on the last evening at last light. And it was one bull who got vocal with four cows and had 15 minutes to make something happen and almost sealed the deal, but not quite. But mm -hmm. that, that just gets the adrenaline going and just shows you how fast it can happen. I the, love and, that. Yeah, you have to be in the woods to make it happen. Yeah, you're an archery elk hunter, <laughs> like uh, like uh, all the fiber in your being. Like uh, that's exactly right. I mean, I just have that similar attitude where you just got to keep pushing, and we know the payoff. We've arrowed some great bulls. You arrowed a monster out of New Mexico, uh, so we know the payoff. And yep. if you keep pushing, it can all change. And even though sometimes it does feel like the chances of me filling this tag or arrowing a critter has got to be uh, so minuscule, like a uh, below one percent. But then all of a sudden it just something goes your way you get an opportunity you capitalize on it and all of a sudden you're sitting behind a bull that you arrowed in the the coolest experience of your life and it it came together in minutes and and you know my season was tough as well like there was a lot of not getting into elk covering country trying to locate him just trying to get a chance um also i was hunting a lot of borders of private and public which isn't my favorite way to hunt but right. when all the elk are down on those edges it's like well i can i can go hike around and see nothing or i can go try to hike these edges and try yep. to kill a bull so uh, i did a lot of that as well and then um you know tough hunting um until you know finally got a, a snowstorm that was a catalyst you know was able to catch a bunch of elk and catch my break but i think i had over 20 days into it so like you, you know people you know you'd see a picture of a bull and say gosh you had a good season it's like well it, it was good for one day yeah. <laughs> you know or it was it was good for a lot of days and great adventure but uh you know what i mean like yeah you, you, a lot of days uh, of grinding to try to get that opportunity but it it's so fun isn't it it's great i mean it's i think that's what we live for and it's we look forward to it, and we, we strategize, and we think, oh, it's been a good moisture year, so the horn growth's going to be good, and it's going to be this and that, and then you're in the season, and successful or not, you start making excuses and, and trying to, you know, explain in your mind what just happened during that six-week archery season. And here we are in January looking forward to it again. It'll be around the corner before we know it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's when we're in it, there's a lot of, a thinking going on, like a lot of theorizing, like uh, our one of our biggest asset as hunters is is our ability to to try to outwit or outthink these elk or figure out where they where they're at. But it just seems like when you're in the heart of it in the season, you you just gotta like you said, keep that positive attitude, but just keep theorizing where the elk are, what your play is the next day. Just focus on the next step, you know. And um, and and I I just don't give in until you said like you close the car door like you can't give in like you might fail might it may not come together you may not arrow a credit but i don't let that doubt start creeping in like i just want to keep pushing hard you uh, uh similar are, are on those hunts are you just keep pushing hard and keep at it mentally and keep trying to think where those elk are going to be oh yeah. yeah 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 and you know when it i remember early part of the season it was 95 degrees or something like that oh. That's and tough. It is tough. And, you know, sometimes I think we all are a little counterintuitive because I'm a firm believer you've got to be in the woods to, to obviously kill something and make it happen. But there's also 
a point in time when you really don't put the time in the woods. It just don't, doesn't make sense. I mean, if it's 95 degrees and the cows are on their feet and you haven't heard bugling, you know, don't necessarily go out traipsing around middle part of the day. Save your energy and save the time for when it should be better. Mm-hmm. And even it's the last couple hours of the daylight and whatnot. I mean, so I hunt hard. I keep, keep a positive attitude, but also being just realistic of it's it's likely not going to happen today because because of the conditions. You bring up a really good point. It's hunting smart, and um, it it's easy to you know we say hunt hard, but that it it doesn't it's not hunting reckless in the middle of the day. And, and two, you just you you exhaust yourself uh, mentally. Like if you try to hunt all day long and it's not good hunting all day long, like all the elk are tucked away, you're, you're just wearing yourself out. And then you're not a effective in the evening when they come out. So, uh, uh, you bring up a good point and I, I feel the same way. Like I want to put my effort at the right times and that's waking up before daylight. And then it's, it's hiking into a spot, giving my best daylight look. And then I, I might have a plan in the middle of the day where I grab a vantage point or maybe I'm going to still hunt back. But I'm really trying to get somewhere then for evening. Those, yep. those elk are so morning and night, you know, unless you get a storm or they're, they're, you're chasing elk and they just keep bugling throughout the day. But a lot of times uh, you have to know when to put that effort in so you don't exhaust yourself mentally and physically. Sure. Yeah. And so you do that as well. Focus on those mornings and the evenings and especially when you get the heat, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've all been there where my buddy Chris and I call it when the circus comes to town, you get a couple herds or a couple bulls going (sighs) and and bugling activity can last till all day long or at least well into late afternoon or late morning to early afternoon. And I'll be there the whole time taking advantage of it. But when it's crickets and 95, like you say, hunt smarter, conserve your energy for when, so that you can be a better hunter when it is prime time. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that magic when you get into a rut fest oh, like God. that? Like those experiences, they're so fleeting because you might have an entire season to get this one rut fest where you're into the elk there's nobody around they're bugling like crazy like you might hear 300 bugles back and forth and it's just action you're running into cows you're frozen here you got a big bull on the ridge like uh is there anything better uh than that for the elk rut isn't that fun it's It's, just like as good as it gets it's phenomenal it really is i think that's what we all live for it is yeah Yeah. absolutely uh did you get back to hunt whitetails this year uh, I did. I actually, um, uh, old neighbor of mine asked me to be a part of a, a whitetail lease actually in Montana and uh, killed probably my second best whitetail ever. Good for you. So that was a ton of fun. Yeah. And it wasn't just about killing a great whitetail. It was, you know, kind of managing the property, learning the property with him, setting the tree stands and figuring out the corridors, you know, scouting, trail cameras, all of that type of stuff. And um, being a Western... I'm using air quotes, Western hunter. Um, Whitetails is right, not right behind. It's a distant, but it is second for me mm-hmm. um, next to archery elk hunting. And it's it's being able to call, you know, rattle, grunt during the rut. It's it's And it's as much the mental chess match that you're playing with oh, yes. these, you know, trying to figure out their patterns and everything else and putting yourself in the right spot. Um, so it's a lot more sedentary type hunting mm-hmm. than I think most of us Western hunters like. Mm-hmm. But if you think of it on the mental aspect and that chess match you're trying to do, it's uh, it's fun time. Oh man, they are really fun, and I uh, uh, muleys are kind of my second. And I I really spend my time hunting those, and I love the rut. But I have done some whitetail hunts, and I've done um, I've harvested a bunch of does with my bow. 
and um, and then I've been to Ohio and hunted the Midwest and done it the yeah. tree stand way. And you're right, it is such a chess match. Like, uh, and and you have to uh, believe in your instincts with all hunting you do, but especially those whitetails. Like, if you're sitting in a stand and second guessing it, because there's five stands you should go to, or you know, there's <laughs> yeah. five stands to choose from, you know, and um, you choose one, and there's no deer movement, and you think, oh, I messed up. I should have been over on that stand, but it is uh, such a, a chess match. And then it's tough mentally. It's it's a grind. Just making yourself be in that stand so many hours and at the right hours and hiking in and sitting there. And I've never been so cold in all my life as sitting in a tree stand. Especially in the Midwest. <laughs> I've dressed for 30 degrees. If you dress for 30 degrees in Montana, we kind of know the number of layers and how we're going to yes. you know, be comfortable. You get in the Midwest with that cold and that wind. Um, I've been underdressed a bunch. <laughs> Plus, your, your feet are on a metal stand, and it just kind of seems to go yeah. up through your feet, through your legs, to yeah. the rest of your body. It's, well, and sitting still. Yeah. Like, not moving. Yeah. Uh, I add a layer every day. I think I'm cold every day in the stand. Yeah. I just don't know how to layer for it yet. But uh, it's just a it's a grind to make yourself be out there and give yourself a chance. So I really respect it. And then um, I just want to do more of it. I think they're really fun to hunt. They're really switched on and really tough to kill a big one. And like any species, the older they get, the tougher they get. So you killed your, uh, you said your second best mm -hmm. all time? Yep. Wow. What yep. do you look like? He was just a good, solid uh, five by five. Mm -hmm. and nice. But he had great mass. And uh, my neighbor who I did this, uh, worked on this property with, uh, he happened to be out there when I when I shot it. It was with a rifle. And he came up and he was just, I mean, he and he's a whitetail nut. When we met from Montana, he's from Montana, born and raised actually from Dillon and we got talking about hunting, and he said, you know, again, I'm a Western guy. Everybody thinks I should be mule deer and elk, but he goes, I am eaten up by whitetails. I mean, he just loves them. It's what he lives for. So he came up, and his eyes got real big and excited. And I said to him, I said, if you can kill a whitetail like this in Montana, why do you need to go to Kansas or Ohio or, you know, one of the big buck states? Um, he was probably pushing 160, not, oh. you know, so he's not 170, but, you know, that's, that's a great Oh, great white tail buck. Such a big one. Yeah. yeah. And once they start to get that mass and get bladed and get older, like, who cares what the score is? Like, it's a giant. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, how cool. I think um, that creative thinking, too, of that going in um, to that lease with your buddy, I think, uh, is advantageous. Like, especially in Montana, if you want to hunt whitetails, there's just not much public ground to do it. And um, so looking outside the box and, like, finding a lease, like, it, it – um I'm a, uh, a little bit jealous, like you, you found this great whitetail spot that now you get to take photos of and get to manage, and you know you can go hunt whitetails there every year. You know it's going to be good hunting. Um, like like uh, That's pretty fun to have a place like that, think outside the box. And I, I would work, uh, you know, a couple weeks extra pay or, you know, whatever it is to try to uh, fit the bill to try to get in on a lease that I just knew that I could go hunt them each and every year, and that's what you did. Yeah. First year, he's he's been a part of it for a while and um, was excited. He asked me the the property owners, the ranchers, just had acquired a little bit extra ground and felt that it could, you know, he's the only guy who's hunted it for years and years. And they said, if you want to bring somebody else in, and my hope is that it is a long-term thing. It's, you know, an hour and 15 minutes from home, so you could do an afternoon hunt. But if you want to go and spend a couple of days and really put it in, it's around the corner. But it is about that learning curve and, and um, uh, making it 
shallower and get to know the animals and, and manage the property. And, and the ranchers are great. They're diehard hunters themselves, but they don't hunt the whitetails on their own. You know, they're not competing with us. They hunt elsewhere and do elk and deer, you know, mule deer and everything else, but they want to have it managed and they love, as they're ranching, seeing lots of animals and quality animals. So mm -hmm. it's it's about managing them for for the right reason, shooting the mature animals, and uh, it's just a ton of fun. So I'm looking forward to years to come out there with him. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, like be a cool. pretty good start to that deal. Yeah, I think so. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like winning the Super Bowl in your rookie season and then never getting it again. You, you hope that you can have similar success. And no, you want to do the Tom Brady approach where you just win it again and again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, Willie. Well, um, man, I love the show, uh, Pure Hunting, man. You guys are putting out great episodes. Appreciate that. It's yeah. hard to believe we had season 10 this fall. Season 10. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it, it, you've only done 10 seasons because you're really good at what you do and really passionate about it and tell a really good story. Like, that's not easy to do, uh, to put all those shots together. But uh, like like everything in life, you just keep improving. Like, I, I um, you know, I, I like the past seasons, but uh, just when I see these new seasons, you know, it, it really gets me pumped. And you really tell a good story through those episodes. So, um Man, uh, what's coming up this year? So, season 11, we've got uh, New Mexico elk. Chris and I went down there. That uh, wasn't a trophy area. Um, everybody thinks New Mexico, you're hunting, you know, the healer, the unit 16s and stuff. I just love hunting elk. This is an opportunity that we've done now for three years and just the two of us to go down. So, that was a really fun hunt. Um, Gosh, I had some, um, I had a buddy go down there and hunt uh, New Mexico and then come up here to Montana. And same deal, higher populations there and pulled the trigger. Like, a, you know, not on a, a blue chip unit or like a, just a mid-range good unit. And they had the most epic hunt chasing those bulls around down there. Like, there's some really good hunting down there. If you're willing to do the research and take some chances down there on units, you can find some dang good hunting. So it's good action down there where you guys were at? It was. And, and it was better this last year. You know, the two years ago, they'd had a drought, and we were trying to learn the area and whatnot. And uh, went down this year, and they had a much, high, you know, a lot more moisture. And I mean, it was great. We were in elk every single day, and there was better bugling action there than uh, than I had on, you know, Montana. So it was just fun. And again, Chris and I love hunting elk together, um, calling for each other, and, and it's it's kind of a funny side story. We, you know, a lot of people want to be the one who's the shooter first you know first set up for the hunt whatever um i'm going to be the shooter we try to call who's going to be the caller first and we try to get it in as early as possible i think i called it on him a month beforehand i said by the way chris when we go down to new mexico i'm calling for you so <laughs> it's just something that we love to do and and uh so we've got that hunt um spoiler alert i didn't kill an elk in montana this year but uh we'll do something with the storyline i'm trying yeah. to figure out you know because I get a lot of feedback on unsuccessful hunts or when something goes awry because, you know, it maybe took me 10 years to figure out if I said, what is pure hunting and, and one word, it's authenticity. It took me a long time to figure it out, but I show it as it happens. I don't burn footage trying to be something I'm not. And uh, if it's unsuccessful, it's showing that it, it happens. I mean, we all go into the woods expecting to kill something, planning to but we aren't always successful. And does that mean it was an unsuccessful or non-enjoyable hunt and we feel it was a waste of time? We've learned from it and, and so try to tell a story. So got that story. I, I love that. 
uh, it's just reality. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we all eat tags, but I, you know, I had the same thing in Colorado where I hunted this giant buck for seven days, and I, then I ended up missing him. Spoiler alert! But you know, I was sitting up there, and I'm I'm pretty bummed out that I had missed my opportunity. And I'm thinking. I'm in one of the coolest places on planet Earth. Here I've been chasing a giant buck for seven days yeah. on here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this alpine environment. I'm on this great adventure. Like, you better enjoy it, you idiot. Like, you know, and then I, you know, I get home and that's, you know, one of my most memorable hunts of the season. And it was, you know, one that I was unsuccessful or I had failure. But that is part of the game. And so, you know, I'd love to, like, I've got footage of the whole thing. I would love to edit it up and put it out there because, you know, guys can relate like that like you said authenticity is king showing the hunt like from start to finish and how it went down and sharing raw emotion and being frustrated and and eating a tag and not getting done that is part of the story so i i think that's great i look forward to the episode well yeah it'll be fun and i appreciate that and then uh a pronghorn in colorado that was a a real fun hunt nice Um, killed a really unique buck I wasn't after a giant. I mean, if one presented itself, you know, it was, but I, so, you know, I've got on my Skullhooker trophy tree, um, six or seven pronghorn that all are very similar. I think they're the coolest looking animals, especially as a Euro mount and delicious tasting. Mm -hmm. So I was there and, and, you know, you're probably successful with a rifle on pronghorn stocks all day long. You're picking through animals. Anyway, it was a good pronghorn, but totally unique. I mean, his right antler looked like a candle and it melted in the sun and tips over. Oh, wow. Forward. So folds, yeah. Oh, folds, wow. Almost like it melted and fell forward. So when I saw him and I wasn't seeing any, you know, 16, 17-inch tall bucks, I said, it's a character buck. <laughs> and, again, in the freezer, it doesn't matter what it looks like. So that was a really fun hunt. Those um, things eat so good, don't I know. they? It's my family's favorite meat. Do you – I think it's probably the most polarizing meat that's out there. Yes. I think there's a lot of early rifle seasons on them, and it really seems like you got to get the hide off early. And yep. so, like, I think um, maybe, get, you know, maybe I always say it's either your butcher or your cook because I've never had a bad antelope, and I, I you know, I don't, 10 or 12 or maybe a few more to, to uh, my credit or whatever, but we love it, and every one is good. Um, what do you think it is? I, I think you're right. I think when people don't like it, it's probably in the process before it gets in the freezer. I mean, how many yeah. times have you driven around the prairie and you see guys driving around on a, with a, you know, a dead pronghorn in the back of the pickup, maybe gutted, but they haven't taken the hide off. That's what I think too, Willie. And it, you know, I just don't think they pre- prepare it right. And yeah. so people have it and they think, oh, it's the worst meat ever. Uh, but I know a lot of people, you, me, Dan Staten, who it's one of the top favorite, you know, yeah. fairs that we have. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I am an antelope hunter. Like I just love to hunt them. Uh, but for me, like I don't, like I've got some really good antelope. Like you were saying, you got a, a, a bunch on the on the skull hooker tree. Um, I, I'm the same way. I have a bunch of good ones. And for me, there's like this line of antelope that I like. It's around 70 inches, or you know, once they start to get above 12 inches, right. or just a good mature solid buck. I'm making a play. Like I'm gonna go try to kill it. So I have a bunch of them, and and a couple that are in that mid 70s. But I'm yet to get my giant one, just because I. Uh, I love to hunt them so much. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so fun to get after. They are. Yeah. And I, because it is. It's an all-day thing. Like, we going back to the elk hunting, it, like, first light, last light, given a couple hours. Middle part of the day, a lot of times nothing's going on. You can hunt pronghorn all day long. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to get up at O-Dark 30 if you want to have a gentleman's hunt and have a decent breakfast because they're active all day long. Yes. And you blow one stock, 
you know, it's always disappointing, but there's probably another one within a half a mile you can make again. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I love chasing those things. So, uh, well, good. That's on this season's episode? Yep. Okay, yep. Cool. The whitetail I talked about there, I self-filmed that one. Oh, which you is did? always Oh, cool. Always, uh, it's fun. It's challenging. But, <laughs> yeah, it's you always know, interesting. It is. <laughs> it's a tough balance between trying to kill something and trying to video something. <laughs> well, <laughs> another hunt we, we have is a, a buddy of mine. We went to Kansas, and we did a sublease. So. Uh, through an outfitter but it was here's your properties you they had some stands up and you know they use feeders in kansas but if we wanted to hang our own or go put something else or move it move a stand we had all the flexibility to do that for a week and first evening and here's kind of that self-filming again spoiler alert but we didn't know the quality of the deer that were there we you know didn't have pictures of ones that we knew we were going to hunt or not it was totally a brand new thing for us and we did have some trail cams out, but first night, I'm sitting in a stand, um, self-filming, and I see a buck coming. It's again that last light. It was crickets. It was 80 degrees all day, and I see this buck coming. Works up through the trees, and I was like, "Yeah, he's a he's a pretty good buck." Between trying to get my bow, realizing I put left my release in my pocket, so I'm trying to get my release out, trying to size him up, try to keep him on camera. <laughs> he was around for quite a while. And just the way he, his G2s were really pretty short, so I thought he was an 8-point. Turns out he was a pretty good 10 and had pretty good mass. Again, trying to do all of that. By the time I figured out, and it's the first day, I'm like, well, mate, that's a pretty good buck. You know, don't, shoot, don't pass on the first day what you chewed on the last day. Mm-hmm. I decided I was going to shoot him, and by the time he came and gave me a broadside, and I stopped him and got the camera on him, he looked up caught some movement blew and took off and so then i hunted eight more days had some great encounters yeah. it wasn't about killing a buck because i could have shot a uh-huh. lot of them it was you know yeah. doing the right thing and trying to manage and yeah. shoot a mature one mm-hmm. that was one where self-filming cost me yes <laughs> trying to do all of those things and it just didn't pan out i feel your pain <laughs> you've done it yourself that, i'm sure that colorado buck i was self-filming on were that you really one. yeah and i had the tripod all set up and i had set up where he was going to come out and his three buddies came out first and he held back so his three buddies were in bow range and one of them laid down at 35 yards but i'm i'm balanced with my butt on this rock and my tripod up and i've got to reach up and hit record i've also got a fine and then I've also got to set my sight and then I've also kind of try to shoot the buck without anything seeing me you know <laughs> right and so it took me like uh, the buck finally came in range and uh, I had him there at 50 yards but it like I just couldn't shoot for half an hour I couldn't get my bow drawn back and get through all the progression of steps and finally I got through the progression of steps and he was 40 yards at that point Jeez. and uh, I just got twisted up and through all that and then missed that buck on camera but I think it tell a great story absolutely like, really extreme terrain and it it was it was the adventure that i that i wanted like i i got my experience and i got my chance too you know just just missed him and that's part of hunting it is do you ever miss (laughs) oh neither confirm nor deny but uh, anybody watches enough episodes of pure hunting you might see one or two on there (laughs) yeah it happens to the best of us for sure it's just part of the game it is yeah absolutely and it's not given with a rifle either uh i've seen Mm -hmm. more guys miss uh easy shots too with a bow or with a rifle because it seems like you almost need to rush the shot or get it off and then um you know i've I've seen a mess up seen plenty of guys mess up shots me included but uh uh, yeah it just happens i saw a guy miss an elk at 20 yards (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's a big target, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that being critical or whatever. I, I it know. happens, but I you're know. like in the heat of the moment. Yeah, it's amazing what can you, you happen. You to You only us had to hit this as I'm holding my arms around, <laughs> right. like you know. You, yeah, you just had to hit this giant body at at 20 yards, the thing you've been practicing for all year. But that uh, that adrenaline is um, uh, it's a powerful tool, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, why do you think that? Uh, um, you know, through evolution, why do you think that into that that buck fever is? It's the excitement to procure meat for you and your tribe, and yeah. um, and maybe it's what drives us. Like what we love so much about it is the excitement of it. You know, that thrill of the chase and getting close. So maybe it's uh, hardwired in our DNA for that. What do you think? It's got to be it. And I've said, if you lose that, then you should quit hunting. So you. You said all the things that I think it is what it's about, and that's something that you you can't explain to non-hunters why we hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say to fill the freezer. Well, that's part of it, but it's all the things pitting your your wits against an animal, and it's getting close, especially if we're hunting with a bow. I mean, that's just doesn't matter what the species is. When you're that close to an animal, mm-hmm. there's something special about it, especially if they don't know you're there and you feel like you got in without being, you know, detected. Mm-hmm. You can't explain that to somebody who hasn't been in that situation. Mm-hmm. It is, it's the adrenaline, it's the rush, it's the anticipation of what may be about to happen. Yes. It's, I think it's all of that yeah. combined. Yeah, oh, spot on. You remember being a kid where you forget to even look through your peep sight or at your sights <laughs> or it's like a dang car wreck. You're like, you don't even remember what you did. It's just like a flash and uh, I've made some really bad decisions in those moments at times when I was a kid, but it's almost necessary. Like, I think everybody has to go through it. Like, uh, you don't just decide you're going to be a good hunter and you're a good hunter. Like, you have to pay your dues. You have to get experiences and then you mess up really bad and then um, you, like, self-talk you know, yourself through it. Like, Hey, next time I'm going to look at my sights. Next time I'm going to execute a good shot. And still to this day, I'm still fighting the adrenaline rush or I'm uh, trying to stay present in the moment or trying to execute my shot and make that right move. But it doesn't come without work. Like I, ha- I still have to think about it all the time that, hey, I'm going to look at my pins or, you know, whatever the case is. Double check your bubble. Do whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Those yeah. little mistakes can just bite you, right? The devil is in the details when you're shooting bow or rifle. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Um, what else do you have on the show? Um, past seasons, of course. And where can oh, sure. um, you've got uh, the past seasons are so good that uh, I still remember that New Mexico episode. That was such a great bowl. It's such a great episode too. storyline and uh, action. Boy, no, it was fun. Thank you. Yep. Um, so, no, we've got, I guess, those episodes. There's one or two hunts that I wasn't on that Chris, my longtime good friend and, and co-host, is on. He's, he's great. He's he's a character. I mean, he can act like a little kid and 10 minutes later act like he's 80 years old, a crusty old man. He's just, he's <laughs> awesome. Um, he And he, speaking of crusty old man, he's taken his dad uh, the last three years on a, on a hunt in Colorado, sort of that. It's the early rifle season on the Eastern Plains. And wow. It, uh... The first two years, Chris self-filmed, um, trying to be, well, not self-filmed, he filmed his dad, but, you know, trying to be cameraman, the host of your dad. Jerry is 80, now 83 years old, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're sort of being a parent to your parents, you know, trying to help him out, and it, it's made for some great, great TV, and, and uh, 
for season 10, Jerry at 82 killed his best whitetail ever. But the comedy behind the scenes of Chris <laughs> trying to show his dad, because you asked, I mean, as a kid, you don't even look through your scope. Well, Jerry's trying to find this deer at 70 yards through his scope, and he can't find it. Chris is trying to film, try to get him lined up. He doesn't see it through the scope. It's pure comedic relief and that's there's <laughs> i said chris this year if you're gonna do that hunt with your dad we're getting a camera guy because you just you can't do all of it and do the story and capture everything and do it justice as you know i mean it's hard to self-film everything you do you got to do twice mm -hmm. just to get it on you know walk away from the camera you got to set up walk away then you got to walk back pick up the camera and if you want to walk towards the camera you got to set it up walk away walk towards the camera and then pick it up. i mean everything's double duty and you just you're focusing on the hunt mm -hmm. So that's a that's going to be a, another fun hunt, and three three years in a row he's gone out with his dad, and I have a pro uh, camera guy capture that one. That's amazing. So, huh. And then you know Lane Walter. Yeah. Um, he's I mean he's just a great guy as we know, he's but a, a great, great guy. camera guy. Yeah. And he's the one actually good I think hunter. who introduced us. Great hunter. Yeah. He and a good friend of ours, um, Randy Peck, who's been on a few of my episodes, has us down to Texas for hogs and coyotes every year. Well, R Lane with his two boys went down and his wife on Randy's ranch in uh, early December before Christmas, and his boys shot their first deer, and uh, they captured all of that. I said, Lane, if you're going to do and go capture, don't just get a few clips here and there. Let's make an episode out of it, because that is the storyline of bringing the next generation up and the enthusiasm those boys had. At, I can't remember if they're five and seven or four and six, something like that, but young kids. And, of course, Texas, there's no hunter safety. You, if, your parent feel they can do it and are responsible enough, take them hunting. So that'll be a fun one, too, and I wasn't part of that one. So we've got a good mix of, of shows and uh, good traditional uh, western hunting and a little bit of whitetail, but in Montana and uh, a Kansas whitetail episode and Chris and his dad and Randy in Lane. So it'll be fun. It's fun to watch Lane in front of the camera, too. You know, he's good behind the camera, but it's fun when he gets in front of it. Yeah, it's nice to stick some pressure on him and That's see him right. talking to that thing. <laughs> That's but, right. No, he does great. He's he does. like got such a great personality. I really like that guy and a yeah. good family guy. So, oh, yeah. Um, and you guys do such a great job on that, that show. Uh, where can guys find the, the old episodes? Best way is just to go to purehunting.com on the website. I've got go. all, uh, and I'm going to be putting season 10 out. You know, as you know, the TV contract, you have to wait a certain t amount of time, but I'll start putting those out soon. So everything, seasons one through nine are on the website. Season 10 will start coming out. Mm -hmm. And then set your DVR. Uh, are you guys on uh, uh, outdoor? Sports, Sportsman's. Yep. Okay. Mon it will be Monday nights on third and fourth quarter. Okay. Um, it's still that same great block with Jason Matzinger, yeah. uh, me, and then uh, Western Hunt. Western Hunter, so it's a fun fun Western hunting block. Yeah, it's the best, for yeah. sure. Um, well, um Thank, thanks for being so honest and sharing that personal stuff at the beginning of the podcast. I think it really helped guys out, so I really appreciate it. Um, glad you're okay, and um, yeah, I uh, uh, always love having you on the podcast, Willie. Um, you're just the best, man. I appreciate it, and we got to quit talking about it. Let's try to do some fishing one of these days. We're not that far away from each other. Oh, my gosh. Uh, i got to send you a text. Let's go this spring. I'd love For it. For sure. Yeah, no, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to make sure it happens. So, Perfect. Yeah. I'd okay. love to. It'd be okay. fun to spend some time in the field with you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Willie. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, fun conversation with Willie. Uh, again, I just appreciate him being so uh, upfront and open uh, with his health stuff, I know that's not easy to talk about, and um, I I really appreciate it. Thinks it think it, I think it brings awareness to all of us, um, you know, and it just reminds us that um, man, uh, uh, 
we only get one chance at this life. We got to make the most of it. And um, so I'm just happy everything's okay. Willie looks great, um, still in good health and, and back to working out. So glad to hear it. But uh, thanks again for him being so upfront and honest about it. Um, and, and just great conversation all the way through. That guy uh, loves the outdoors and loves to hunt, and his passion through, comes through the airwaves. So um, thanks to Willie. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. I want to thank Forever Barnwood, just creating great products, great Western look, or any look for that matter, but just great highlights in there. So many different products to choose from. Make sure to check them out at their website, and if you're building a new home, uh, go ahead and take a look at them. They're a great price point and a great high-end look. I uh, also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks for their support. Uh, great replaceable blade knives. Uh, they seem to be a little bit more hardy. It's tough to break the blades on these. They stay sharp. Uh, and I just love packing extra blades and being able to butcher an entire elk without sharpening a knife or uh, you know, bringing multiple knives or whatever the case. Um, these replaceable blade knives have just changed the game for me. So uh, thanks a bunch to Outdoor Edge Knife for their support. And uh, thanks to Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Uh, make sure to check out everything we do over there. And uh, yeah, with that, man, um, just been busy this spring working away and... Um, getting in my training in fact i'm gonna get this podcast out here and uh, get out for an afternoon run climb some elevation i've really got good miles in here this last six eight weeks so um feeling really strong feeling good and uh, bow's shooting really good getting this that new uh v3x all doped in and ready to rock and roll for season so it's been fun playing with that thing. Uh, just built a heck of a bow. Uh, really enjoying it. So um, getting some new arrows here this week, any day. In fact, maybe as I get off this podcast, they'll be waiting for me upstairs. So I've been messing with them a bit, but it'll be good to get the the final product and um, get it ripping out of that bow. So get it all set up. Bear season's coming. Looking forward to it. Already making plans for opener and making plans throughout the season. And uh, so it's going to be fun. Going to go on a bunch of adventures and going to gonna share it with you guys. And um, yeah, going to challenge myself both, both mentally and physically. Going to be in ripping shape this year. And um, yeah, just going to tackle some of these uh, extreme mountain ranges and really push my limits. I got to, um, I've been pushing my limits on these long runs lately, which has been really good. Uh, it's 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 one of the things that just reminds me, like, it's nice to, to, to beat up my legs in the mountains. Like I did a, a six hour go the other day, five, six hour go somewhere in there. And, um, it, it's just, uh, these long ones, there's no substitute for them. Like I can run every single day an hour, but when I have that five to six hour go, uh, it, it really grinds on my legs, you know, fatigued the next day. And I, I really like these big goes They're They're pushing, uh, my level, my conditioning level, and they're pushing my my max mileage and and uh, pushing my my max elevation, and uh, it's just been great. That it just reminds me that I need to fit more of these in throughout the year, and uh, once every week I need to find a way to do these longer runs to really push myself and find another level. So that's been really good in the training, doing those long runs like that. Um, been doing my, my stretching, all the little things and, and my joints just feel great. My, uh, my knees, you know, always feel great. I've just, uh, built up these muscles around my knees, but also my back feels great doing my upper body exercises, uh, shoot my bow, just doing all the little things. And I went on an absolute grinder the other day, my buddy Dylan Ness, and 
uh, we met up and fished for a couple days and um, stayed in the wall tent. But it was it was all day from uh, daylight till dark, uh, uh, doing a bunch of miles and and uh, the fishing was really good and so uh, just super fun. In fact, I was so tired on the drive home second night, I had to pull over. I was half an hour away from my house. I had to pull over and take a twenty minute nap. I was that exhausted, just um, just worn out and you know. I wasn't in danger of falling asleep on the road, but I was starting to lose that focus. Like my eyes are open and my brain's still trying to fall asleep where all of a sudden I'm not focusing on the road and it just gets really dangerous. And I've been in that situation enough times where I just pull over and take a nap, but uh, a little bit uh, disheartening when I'm 30 minutes from my house and have to take a nap, but uh, just a a great two-day push. And it reminds me Uh, It reminds me what's important in life, and I can't fish every day or hunt every day or anything like that, but it's important that we have these adventures, these, uh, this all-in go for it, and floating down that river and just looking at the surroundings and and, uh, trying to find good fish and finding action, like, man, that's... That's what I that's what I really love to do and it it just reminds it like gives me such perspective in my life that that that's the end goal is to soak up and enjoy as much of this life as I can and these big adventures are always worth it and uh you know it just it reminds me that I I've got to continue to work hard and continue to work to get more time in the field or more time doing what I absolutely love to do. And I can't do it every day. I've got to work and pay bills and uh, support my family and do things like, you know, I can't be a bum but out of a wall tent, even though sometimes I consider it, but I uh, can't be a bum in a wall tent and um, just got to work hard and create this this life that I want. And I've done a good job so far and just want to continue to do that. But uh, just amazing to have those adventures. It puts things into perspective and then, you know, just had a real productive week after I've got back, like um, just getting a bunch done and tackling work and then trying to plan the next one. So, uh, so fun. Uh, hope you guys get some great adventures this year, putting in for some tags, getting your workouts like this, living this 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 quality life it's so fulfilling you know taking care of my body taking care of my family taking care of work and then being able to go on these big adventures fishing and hunting and things that I truly love is is really living a fulfilled life I just couldn't have planned it any better so um man I'm happy over here in Montana um trying to soak the most out of it spring's starting to show up in fact I've even seen a little green grass around so fun's on the horizon Uh, Thanks, you guys, for all the support. I appreciate you, and I'll check in with you next week.